and welcome back to the Sleep Like a Baby podcast. I'm your host Hannah and I'm an infant sleep consultant as well as a mum living and working in South East London. And this week's episode covers a lot. So I wanted to chat to um, my friend and colleague Helen Davis who is a health visitor, she's a mum of four and she's also a holistic sleep coach as well. And so she obviously has just this huge wealth of knowledge and experience and expertise when it comes to all things parenting. And I'm a really big fan of her Instagram account, um, essential underscore parenting, because not only is she super knowledgeable and informative, but she's very, very funny. And what I thought was really special about this conversation actually was the way that she made me laugh so much. And I just love how dry and to the point she is and quick-witted but also there were points when I really had to sort of fight back the tears and I got quite emotional listening to Helen's story so yeah it's a bit of a roller coaster episode but god I'm so so grateful to Helen and her generosity and courage to talk so openly and so honestly about everything she's experienced and So there are some trigger warnings for this week's episode. We do talk about domestic abuse and mental illness. But we also talk about the highs and lows of parenting. And um, it's definitely one of those laugh and cry sorts of episodes. And actually, one of the reasons I asked Helen to come on, on the podcast was because she had been talking on Instagram about the perception that gentle parenting is a sort of trend or it's just a fad and how actually there's a lot of misunderstanding about what gentle parenting is and also yeah perhaps sometimes it is seen as a little bit of a of a trend or a fad when actually what we're talking about is treating children and and babies as human beings as um, and we're working on ourselves and we're trying to understand them and support them better so that we can break cycles of uh, generational pain and trauma and difficulties that previous generations have have gone through so uh, I thought it was a really really interesting conversation and I I hope you enjoy listening I also before we get to that though I just had one other housekeeping announcement and that is that in December I'm going to be running two live webinars about night weaning so the first will be for breastfeeding families and the second will then be for families who are predominantly bottle feeding their babies and essentially I'll be covering ways to reduce feeds or introduce some gentle boundaries perhaps you're thinking about cutting back on feeds in the future or maybe you're already now at a point where you feel like your child is ready and you're keen to stop feeding them night entirely at night entirely uh this is uh both webinars are designed for babies over the age of 12 months um and there are of course entirely gentle and responsive and respectful strategies uh, that you can use to make those kinds of changes for your family so they're on sale now and I'll include a link in the um, show notes for anyone that's interested (laughs) 
The Sleep Like a Baby podcast is supported by The Octopus Club, the online marketplace where you can buy, sell and give away baby and kid stuff without any hassle. If your home is piling up with toys, clothes and bits of kit that your little one no longer uses, The Octopus Club offers an easy, environmentally friendly way of selling or donating things to other families. And if you're on the hunt for high quality second-hand goods, this is the place for you. Honestly, the stuff on there is gorgeous. Check them out on Instagram or go straight to their website, theoctopusclub.com, to sign up today. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Helen. Hello. Do you know what? It's funny. People always think my name's Helen. I don't Why know, do you do that? I don't know if, if the way I say Hannah sounds like Helen. Well, look, I used to answer the register when somebody said Alan. So. Oh. <laughs> Alan, yeah. <laughs> I won't call you Alan today. But anyway, Helen, I don't think it sounds like Hannah, but anyway. Um, how are you doing, Helen? Yes, good, thank you. Not enjoying the weather, but good. Yeah, it's miserable, isn't it? And so are, I'm assuming all your children are at least at school today, though? They are, thank the good Lord above. They are. <laughs> yes, they've all buggered off. Oh, apart from Daisy, she's going in in a bit. But yeah. Okay, okay. So for people that don't know you, you're a mum of four. Yep. And you've, yeah, so you've got ages between five and 17. So mm. all of the different life stages right now. Yes. Um, could you tell me a little bit then about like who you are and your kind of professional background? So I started my working life as a kids nurse um, and were straight from qualifying, went into kids intensive care, um, which I absolutely loved. I did that for about 13 years. Um, and then I left that job to retrain, do my master's in Health visiting, gosh, I forgot what it was. Health visiting, <laughs> did that, loved that. Um, and then I had my number four little mm-hmm. person um, and my other half works offshore. So I had to leave the NHS, but I still wanted to do something that was helping people. And sleep has always been a bit of a passion mm-hmm. um, slash need. Mm-hmm. So I went into, um, did the same course that you did, didn't yeah. I? And started doing that a little bit and just was kind of putting my toe in the water but things have been pretty hard with Evie my my last my number four so I hadn't been able to kind of commit to it too much and then lockdown happened and then recognizing that people needed they needed that support from from a friendly face Mm. um whether it was talking about sleep or weaning or development or behavior or potty training all that kind of stuff that hits you right between the eyes yeah. in that nought to five years that you've that you've had a baby. So I started doing things more around the kind of independent private health visiting thing with a sleep yeah. specialism, I suppose. So that's where I'm at. That's what essential parenting is. I love it. And I love your account because you are very, very funny and dry and you... Yeah. You offer obviously you've got this huge wealth of of, of experience and knowledge um and expertise, but also a lot of humor as well. Because if you don't laugh, well, quite <laughs> yeah. If you don't laugh, you drink gin. Yeah. <laughs> and then you laugh anyway, so you may as well just laugh past the gin. <laughs> yeah. But also sometimes you do cry as well. Like, you know, like you've yeah. also been very open and honest, which I love as well. And I think it's so important and um, you know, just to make us all feel less alone. And like it's, you know, I think that's one of the hardest things. Yeah. especially for parents who kind of were 
um having children for the first time in the pandemic as well it's like just feeling like is this just me is this normal am I the only one finding it this hard or my my child is sleeping or whatever eating toileting the way they are Mm. I think we always say don't we about needing a village Mm. this is something we always blather on about you need you need your village and during that time gosh that village was banned so yeah. even if you've got one, which most of us don't really to, you know, especially mm. not to what we need. But yeah. yeah, it was really, I mean, I think people are still finding it hard because now the, the health physician service from the NHS has really pared down and pared mm. back. And so people haven't had their babies weighed and they haven't had anyone look at them and tongue ties are going miss, going missing, yeah. going missing. You're missing. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. All of that. Depression and all, you know, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I was saying to you before we started recording that I do feel like health visitors are the sort of like most like maligned group of healthcare professionals. Like they're the ones that, and and I think I've, I might be guilty of this myself of making these kind of sweeping generalizations and they, and, and, you know, maybe if people uh, aren't listening to this inside the UK, maybe we could explain a bit about what a health visitor does because it's quite a specifically, I think British. Yes, it is. So I think, so we are public health nurses um, with a specialism in health promotion and um, and child protection. So that would that was kind of what we were there for. And so we would be available to families with a child age naught to five to be a point of contact for anything that was bothering them. And we acted as a kind of signposting service. So if I saw you know, a child who obviously got some kind of um, physiotherapy needs, then I would I would refer to physio, podiatry, speech and language, dietitian, all those kind of things. Um, but we were like the first protocol. So we were like a, a family friend. That's how I saw yeah. it. And we'd go in and we'd often do listening visits for families with postnatal depression. Um, that was that was our point, really. Yeah. Not kind of what it is now. Um, but that was the point. But you know, to be honest, most people, most health visitors are vile. And <laughs> you I think, can you know, say that because you I are. I can say right? that. I can say that. I know a lot of beautiful health visitors, yeah. and I've been very lucky to work with a lot of beautiful health visitors. But I've also known and worked with a lot of old battle axes. Yeah. Just throw in their own experience and and you know use it as gospel. And I think some people don't realise that when you're dealing with a, a vulnerable family that the things that you say have a massive impact and if you're not careful with the words that you use and the way you say it in your tone you can you know you've got somebody from here and all of a sudden they're yeah gosh it's so true isn't it and yeah you know there are I just yeah I I, there are some brilliant health visitors the last health visitor I saw was excellent and um really helpful and non-judgmental and had some really good information and was just like and did that job of signposting. I had a few concerns and she was like, here it is and blah, blah, blah. This is what you need to do. It was really good. And she followed up. And But then I've had some not so good health visits with different health visitors where yeah. I've left the appointment in tears or... Yeah. They're power hungry. Yeah. Some of them are. But I also think, well, like you were saying, you have to know so about, you know, so much about such a broad range of subjects. You know, I just think a health visitor's day must be crazy you know oh, it's and fab. Sh- it's fab, yeah. <laughs> I love it because you get you, you do you need the problem is that when somebody wants specific sleep support or specific mm. breastfeeding support your health is just probably not the person that you want to go to yeah in the same way as if you'd got a kind of 
a dietary issue. I, tell, I mean, as a health officer, I am good at dealing with allergies, and mm. but that, that's probably my children's nursing stuff. Yeah. That, that. But yeah, I think it's. I think it, when a health visitor gives advice, if you're not 100 percent sure, check it out because often it's anecdotal. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people, particularly in so in the UK, we have a um, check, don't we, between sort of 10 and 12 months. Yeah. And I think that's when a lot of parents are told by certain health visitors, not all, but certain health visitors, oh, well, they should be sleeping through the night by now or like, yeah, that um, it's a habit wake or it's just, mm-hmm. for, just I, hate, I mean, I hate the three words just for comfort, are like the worst three words ever when it comes to baby yeah. sleep. Um, but that's very much a something I and I get a lot I get a lot of messages on Instagram from people being like I just had my one year check and I was told this but anyway and I think for some reason and health is you know as a population but also health is we seem to kind of assume somebody's parenting ability on how their child eats or sleeps Mm. which are two things that are not measurable because they're so individual you can't say well that child needs eight hours sleep there and that child needs seven there but two there it's a completely individual movable kind of thing so yeah 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 it's so and in the nhs i suppose like you do the appointments now are so short as well i do feel for health visitors because i i know someone that spends like an hour an hour and a half talking with each family and still feeling like oh I could have spoken to you for another three hours to you know and I send a questionnaire ahead of my appointment you know all of that stuff I really and even that sometimes I'm like might send a few follow-up email questions just to make sure I've got all of the information and actually and I look back to my health visitor appointments not that they're sleep consultants but you know I would go in for 15 minutes you get your baby weighed there's a few questions blah blah, blah. it's such like a it's it's difficult to get all of that support for whatever that family's going through isn't it I don't think you can get 50 minutes now. No. And the other is if you've got something that you're really, you know, something that's personal or delicate yeah. and you've got a queue of people behind you. Yes. Yeah. That's, not it. I'm, yeah, that's not good. I'm hoping it'll go full circle and, and yeah. we'll get it back again, but we'll see. We will see. Yeah. Well, families definitely deserve better, but yeah. yeah. But, you know, obviously we have amazing people like you who are offering, I suppose, private support and, you know, that people can kind of go... Yeah yeah, yeah 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 so um what I wanted to ask I suppose was like yeah well what what made you sort of become more and more interested in sleep other than just being a parent like you know when you had your first 17 years ago what was that experience like and oh my goodness hell on earth so there's two reasons there's two reasons that I went I fell into the sleep world the first is my own personal Mm. journey and the second was was Daisy um and so it's so I had Daisy she was about two she was being a little bugger sleeping um (laughs) and I was pregnant with my second Mm. Jack and so I spoke to the health officer and they gave me the Ferber book Mm. I read this I was like oh okay right this is and I'm quite um methodical I like to know you know I like to have kind of things in a in a structured way so that was very structured I thought okay I can do this so I I did the sleep training with with Daisy and it was the control crying one so we'd go back for a minute then three them you know the, you know the kind um and it was absolutely horrific it was absolutely horrific but it worked yeah it worked in three days it worked mm-hmm. and she was sleeping and there was no problems 
then something kicked off. I don't know. It's probably the birth of Jack. I don't know, but it happened again. And I, yeah. and I was at a point where I picked the book up and I thought I'm going to have to do this again. And I just mm-hmm. thought I can't do this again. It was so hard. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I did something else. I can't remember what it was, but I did, I knew even though it had worked, it was obvious that it was going to be something I have to revisit. And it was just so awful mm. for that for those three days that I just, the thought of having to do it again was just beyond me. Mm. So that was, that's my reason with, with my kids. My rationale behind it was, so my background was having has been in, in quite an abusive relationship yeah. and struggling a lot with anxiety and depression. And so I had a nervous breakdown at gosh, yeah. how old? Jack was two, so 13 years ago. Yeah. And it happened in the middle of the night. And I was very poorly. I was under a psychiatrist. Yeah. But the way the anxiety um played out was that I'd get very anxious about not sleeping I was working in PICU then so if you you know if I didn't sleep mm. and I was looking after a child on a ventilator yeah oh my you know, goodness Helen yeah the stress of that so I didn't sleep and I didn't sleep for four weeks apart from like 40 minutes here and there um and so that knowledge of true exhaustion and sleep yeah. deprivation and the anxiety that it kind of creates because you're worried about not yeah. sleeping but you don't sleep so you worry that was such a and the loneliness mm. the loneliness in the middle of the night oh, yeah but, and, and I was frightened frightened of my bedroom frightened of my bed it's ridiculous isn't it but no but I think that's a, a very a very real thing and I suppose being in the context of a of a toxic abusive relationship that's an incredibly isolating experience as well yes. isn't it yes it is yeah. yeah so that was that was how I kind of came into it because it's just such yeah. a massive sleep deprivation is such a massive yeah. massive thing and it affects everything yeah everything. it does yeah yeah gosh so that's so hard and so like so yeah you've got a four-year-old a two-year-old yeah and I was work, pregnant again and you were pregnant again and yeah. you're like, oh my goodness and you're working in yeah pediatric intensive care oh my goodness that's yeah. Oh. I took a lot of time off sick. I was under a, a, because I was pregnant at the time, I was under a psychiatrist at the mother and baby unit. Yeah. Um, although it wasn't postnatal anxiety, postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. I'd had it for a lot of time before yeah. I'd had, I was pregnant again. But yeah. they saw me and, and I was under them for about for a year, for over 12 months. Yeah. No, it was, it was 18 months. And and can I ask, when did the relationship end? Or That was that was that was several years later yeah. that was about f- um three three or four years later yeah yeah he um he had his last affair and left um and since then shocker i've been getting better i mean i'm i think i'll probably be on medication forever yeah, yeah. um yeah gosh i'm a, i'm a different person now i bet wow what a story that's really I mean I'm so sorry that you had to experience well don't I mean it was horrific but it's it's given me such an amazing empathy and yeah you know I I love helping people anyway but I just thought well if this this situation this crap situation can can do some good Mm. I'll have it I'll have it yeah and when so gosh I've got so many questions going back I suppose to the sleep yeah and your own sort of mental health and sleep so you were and with three children yeah very close together in age I suppose yes yeah um 
um how did you get the support like what did the support look like for you um so when I when when my ex was still here people didn't really know what was happening so I was quite isolated because I didn't talk about it I was embarrassed and shameless um but I did, I mean, obviously I'd got support with the psychiatrist and I was having, so she was managing my medication, but I was also seeing a community psychiatric nurse who was dealing with me kind of talking therapies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't really have a lot. I mean, I've got family and I've got friends, but because they didn't really know what was going on, um, it was a very lonely time. And it was only after he left that that then I started to heal really. Yeah. and. Uh, realized for what it was I think I think I was just in this kind of yeah it'll get better it'll get better yeah I think yeah I think that word shame is just like oh yeah that's a huge part of those situations isn't it yeah absolutely and and, you know as an outsider it like you know when you look into other people and you might and as a health visitor and a nurse and as and you must have seen you see these situations I suppose yourself and you know that there's nothing shameful about that situation Absolutely not, no. but the the shame that you can feel in yourself is so real isn't it or yes and it doesn't matter even if I was to say to somebody you know that there is no shame there it helps because I can say there is no shame there I've been there yeah. and I've felt this but I've come out the other side and you know that helps but people don't believe it until you feel it yourself mm-hmm. they don't believe it mm-hmm. And what would you say to someone then? Did you know at the time that your relationship was a a part of this, a puzzle piece in the whole? Yes, I think so. I think I did. I I am quite intuitive with my own emotions. So I always thought that I knew it exactly, but it it was only really after I started healing that I because I've forgotten a lot of stuff I have a lot of flashbacks Mm. it's 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 those that kind of make me go oh gosh yes there was that and then that made me think like that and that made do you know what I mean so your brain has got this incredible way of just kind of compartmentalizing it later yeah it's true when you're strong enough yeah it's a trauma response isn't it it's a survival mechanism it's like I'm going to I I cannot process all of that right now so I'm going to keep going and especially I think when you're a mother Yes. You have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. You absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah. What a oh. palaver. Yeah. Oh, Helen. Oh, I'm so, well, I, I also think, though, it's so good to hear that you've come through that, you know, and that, mm-hmm. or the, and that you're still process, you know, that you're still processing stuff and like it's, you know, you're dealing. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that I'll, I'll be dealing and processing mm-hmm. for the rest of my life, but yeah. that's okay. You know, I'm not in any danger now. Yeah. So I do it safely in my own time when I feel secure to and I can unpick bits yeah but yeah it is a lifetime's work are you are you comfortable talking a bit more about toxic relationships and what people might want to look out for or what kind of red flags were in in your own life or yeah can do yeah absolutely um so I think I mean we all know about the the um physical abuse don't we we, we yeah. know we know that we know it's physical abuse but I think one of the most insidious methods of abuse is the emotional coercion mm-hmm. uh, control that kind of thing and I think that is the hardest to prove mm-hmm. and it's the easiest to explain away 
so and it's the easiest to kind of go oh maybe maybe it was maybe it is me maybe it is maybe I haven't got a sense of humor maybe he didn't mean it like that yeah he's or he's just having a bad just yes or like oh there's this lot of stress it's not his fault right now he's just got a lot on his plate and I need to help him yeah 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 I think um it was only after, it was only actually when I was doing my health visiting mm. and I was writing down, we were doing this domestic abuse talk. And I always knew that there was other kinds of abuse, but the emotional abuse was the most damaging for me. Mm. Um, and during that talk, we had to write down all the things that a victim of emotional abuse may feel and all the things that a perpetrator of emotional abuse, of emotional abuse may do. Mm. and so it's a really interesting um what's the word thing to do if, if you if you've got the headspace to do it write down what 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 would somebody who's suffering from emotional abuse feel what how would they behave what would they be feeling and then the flip side what would that other person be doing to make them feel like that and looking at those two pieces of paper and I was thinking that's me that's him oh wow so sometimes just kind of even if you don't want to unpick specific situations to just look at the feelings yeah. and the actions and whether or not they, they kind of line up yeah. can be a big help. And it was at that point I thought, gosh, this is, this is me. This is yeah. my life. Wow. She'd left by then. So it was, it was, it was a safe, well, it was, but it was, yeah. Do you think wonderful. that the abuse was, um, exacerbate like do you think that, that parenthood exacerbated the abuse you think it because that that often happens doesn't it is that yeah yes I think absolutely think so yeah. and you know we both had very different parenting styles um because he's a knob and I'm not <laughs> um <laughs> and you know kids are bloody hard work aren't yeah. they they are yeah. absolutely hard work and sometimes yeah. we are knobs as well yeah, yeah. most yeah. kids are idiots from time to time yeah definitely um, and sleep deprivation, you know. I mean, I could make all this as excuses, but it's not an excuse, but it is a rush. Yeah. It, it adds to the... Yeah, I didn't mean that, I suppose, as an excuse no, I know. for no, him, I, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It, that's it. But sometimes, you know, they do say that, that pregnancy can really... Uh, yeah, that uh, domestic abuse rates do go up don't they with with each subsequent pregnancy and for some for some reason it is it can be a a, a trigger I suppose for yeah, yeah worsening abuse and it's yeah. um it's it's something I think we're starting to talk more about in our society you know I do think there is some really yeah. good work being yeah. done out yeah. there but I think we need to really keep having these conversations and and show how normal it is sadly you know and that, that it does happen to to normal people and that it's not just a, a story, I don't know, a sensational storyline on a soap or, you know, something that it's, it's real um, life. It's normal yeah. life. Um, Nobody would have known, you know, we yeah. went to church. Yeah. Um, I did the school run, you know, I'd, I'd got a busy social life and working yeah. and nobody knew. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's it just, but it chips away. So I, I would definitely recommend looking at those two bits of, yeah. If you think, something's not quite right the balance is is not quite right have a think of that and yeah reach out speak yeah. to me about it I'd be I'd always be happy to talk to anybody who feels like they're, yeah. they're in that kind of situation yeah okay so 
Uh, well, thank you so much for being just so honest and open because it's it's really generous of you and brave thank and you're very um, and I I think to end, yeah I think we just need to talk more about relationships and. And then, so then you had your fourth child, Evie, <laughs> a few years later. Yes. Um, and do you want to talk a bit about Evie and how, <laughs> <laughs> how that's been? <laughs> so Evie is, so I'm, I'm now with my partner, Phil, who is just, he's just gorgeous. He's such Aww. a lovely, gentle, gentle man. Um, and so we've had Evie. <laughs> Evie spent most of lockdown naked. She, <laughs> she, we came back home from holiday from camping. We'd got the wet tent in the in the in the van, so it was a bit smelly. So we drove from South Wales to the Midlands with her fingers like this because <laughs> it smelled. She'd got all these this blood blisters around her nose. So she's she's very very high need. Yeah, yeah. She's, we're getting her assessed for autism. Yeah, yeah. Um, she doesn't sleep. No. Yeah. So, so she when is. she so she's she's five now, but so in lockdown she was what two two and a yeah. half. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I don't know. I think lots of people had it very hard, but I often count my lucky stars. I didn't have a two year old in twenty twenty. I think that must have been very different. Two year olds are spectacularly yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. They are. <laughs> I love two year olds and three year olds, but I just think that stage is um. It's intense. Oh, it's so to be, yeah. yeah. So to be stuck at home, I don't, or maybe your teenagers were harder. I don't know. <laughs> no, they they are fairly. Yeah, they. Well, no. Often, no. Yeah. <laughs> they have their yeah, moments. All got their own. They're all got their own quirks about them, definitely. But yeah, yeah Evie, she is. I mean, I've I've been looking after parents for about twenty five years, and I know a lot about parenting. I know a lot about strategies, behaviour, that kind of thing. Do I know how to parent Evie? Do I buggery? I have not got a clue. I'm not winging it completely. Oh, I, I mean, I love that because, yeah. I, and that's what I love about this podcast, actually, is like all of these experts and amazing people with like just so much knowledge and experience. None of us know. No, I don't include myself in that, but I mean, that no, no one. We do. None of us do. No, yeah. no. But it's been, it's been having the ability to say, I haven't got a clue. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just, it's hard. Every, every every child is so different, right? And every circumstance is so different. And, um, but yeah, and, and of course, children who are uh, neurodiverse do have different sleep, don't they? And that's something I actually get really, really, really angry about is the other day, like I saw this um, quite big Instagram account, uh, a, a a parenting expert so-called saying she doesn't believe that there are any bad sleepers baby there no baby should be a bad sleeper every baby has the capacity with the right sort of support to and spending a thousand pounds with her yes of yeah, course yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um so there is no such thing as a bad baby sleeper they just mm-hmm. you just haven't figured it out yet 
And that's something that really tormented me for like the first year of my son's life. I yeah. just hadn't figured it out. What the was I missing? On you me, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cause I, I think I actually spent quite a bit of money with her as well. <laughs> Not oh. thousands, fortunately, but you know, but I was like, no, I must, it's gotta be me. It's gotta be yeah. me. That's You're doing something wrong. wrong. You are doing yeah. something wrong. Yeah. You know. Oh, it makes me so cross. Yeah. I was I tell this story all the time, but I was looking when I was doing my sleep training, yeah. Not sleep training, when I, I was know. doing Yes, learning I'm about sleep yeah studying sleep yeah um, I was looking at people's you know these big Instagram these big Facebook groups and and there's one lady I won't say who it is but there was one lady who is a is like a school t- school mm. training sleep training school so she yes. trains other sleep trainers and on her it was either a web page or Facebook it said if you don't train sleep train your children you will end up um getting divorced yes you will crash your car you'll lose your job and your child will be developmentally damaged but it's okay because you spend a thousand pounds with her none of those things will happen sorted so when you are sleep deprived and all hormones and you just desperately want nothing bad to happen to your child and nothing bad to happen to your life because if something bad happens how will i do this and how will i pay for that and Mm. you just go down this spiral and so you spend it yeah, of course you do. Of course, because that is tapping into all of your worst fears, all absolutely. of them right there. That is like, that is your pain point. And you're like, yep, absolutely. You have just expressed my absolute worst nightmare. Want yeah. to avoid that. And you, they seem very, very confident <laughs> with brilliant. it. Yeah. Brilliant. And they've got a massive following. So yeah. Yeah. why wouldn't you believe it? And celebrity endorsements and everything. And, and, but this is what really grinds my gears about the idea of like all babies can sleep if you've just got the right approach. Because obviously, not all babies who are wakeful are neurodiverse, but a percentage of them will be. Um, And even, you know, I think it's really interesting. Even we know that um, people with dyslexia, for example, sleep slightly differently than people without dyslexia. So when I say there's a huge, like, you know, spectrum out there of different brains and how we work in our sleep. So this idea that all babies could sleep 12 hours or whatever, or you can train them into being this, like, um, just robot that does what you want it to do. Pain. What about baby? Yeah, what about baby? Oh, what about babies who are are weaning off... um, heroin yes yeah, yeah. stupid claim to me yeah so there's no and there's no such thing as a bad sleeper it just really annoys me and and then I think of you know think about Evie and her brain is it sounds like an amazing place but it's slightly different to maybe another child you know and and I think this as well you know I only have one child but seeing him now he's three and a half I see who he is now and I think oh well of course you were never going to do x y and z like I see who you are he's he's still a relatively early riser because that is his personality like he is up in the morning and he wants to go 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 and he's always been like that and I think I tried I killed myself trying to think what I was doing wrong and now I'm just like it's just you that's just who you are you know and and yeah Anyway. Oh, and I feel so sorry for you when you, I mean, <laughs> oh gosh, oh, no. if you'd have just been able to, I mean, the problem with, with Instagram, and as wonderful as it is, because there's people yeah. like you and there and people, and you, yeah. just, <laughs> but there's so much there that makes you doubt yeah. your ability to trust your gut. Yeah. There ain't much on there that, that, 
I think unfortunately now we we there's so much information it's information overload and yeah. people just don't kind of sit with things and go okay so what they oh no gotta fix it gotta fix it yeah. before something else happens before yeah. this creates a rod before you know yeah before I crash my car and oh, before I crash yeah. yeah absolutely yeah 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 it's it, it is really world. yeah it's um and and I suppose yeah I do I yeah so so with with Evie and her sleep like mm. what what was it from the start what was she like was she a good sleeper at the start I know I shouldn't say good sleeper but you know yeah she was okay I mean she's always yeah she was okay I think it was she's always been incredibly anxious very very anxious which I think is part of the 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 kind of neurodiversity she's she clings on to things and so um she would take ages to go to sleep so I'd put her into bed And she would, she'd be very happy to just kind of chatter to herself in her cot, which was wonderful. But she'd be there for four hours, you yes. know, at seven, because that's when she was starting to show that she, she was yeah. tired. And she'd still be awake at 10, 11. Oh. <laughs> so that lasted a period of time. And then she thought, well, bugger this. I'm sitting up here chatting. Then buggers are downstairs. I'm up, not up. So now we're in a situation where she won't go to bed until she probably doesn't want to go to sleep until about 10 11 so she mm. probably has about seven eight hours a night yeah i need more sleep than that mm, yeah um and she also needs physical contact firm physical contact yes. sleep. yeah the sensory stuff is yeah yeah so i'm gonna start getting some bricks yeah. in a bag <laughs> Have that. <laughs> Could you swaddle a five-year-old? I wonder. <laughs> I know. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm sure you've thought about it at times. I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gaffer tape. Yes, gaffer tape would work really well. That would work. And yeah. a, little bit, a little bit over here. <laughs> oh wow, that's intense, though. I guess. Yeah. But you know that's nothing that you could have ever trained out of her. That's the, that's what I'm saying. That's no, what's really. No, I've tried. I've tried. Yeah, yeah no. of course. Yeah. Before I realised that she she did have some of these neuro quirks. Yeah. Um, all the stuff that we've learned on our on our course, mm-hmm. um, just didn't work with her. Yeah. Just doesn't work with her. Mm. You know, she is, she is her own little person, and so she needs something completely unique for her. Yeah. And actually, yeah. that means at the moment she needs me to be next to her to go to sleep. She doesn't yeah. need me. That's that's what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we do. So, oh well, she's very lucky to have a mum that understands that. Um, <laughs> can help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, she is. Bless her. Yeah. Oh well, I think what does the diag what does like the diagnosis process mean to you like is that something that's helping I you honestly don't know yeah we're not we've not we've started it in that they know we're there we're waiting for our first appointment mm-hmm. we've not started that I suppose it will help in school mm-hmm. um, she does get very overwhelmed by a thing yeah. um whether or not it helps us with nighttime she may need a melatonin prescription and that's yeah. something that she will need you know she needs yeah. to have Fulton back in for that um I don't know I've got no issues with 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 um diagnoses diagnosis yeah. and labels I don't I don't feel it's a label I think it will be a tool for yeah. her to access yeah. 
support and for us to access support when we need it rather than a kind of yeah a negative thing that's what I'm hoping but we'll we'll see this is a lifetime's journey I think isn't it it is it is how were your other children as sleepers so yeah you mentioned Daisy but the the middle two Daisy would yeah so Jack Jack had really bad night terrors yeah very bad night terrors, which I know we say aren't related to any kind of trauma or mm-hmm. or anything that goes on, but they stopped when my ex left. That's really interesting. So that 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 just doesn't kind of marry up with all the research, but it was certainly anecdotally what I found that yeah, stress left the 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 um, the night terrors stopped, and Rory who is my 12 year old. So he was two when my ex left and he was waking multiple times in the night, multiple times. Mm. And that stopped as well. And he wow. started. Wow. That's it's, really interesting. I know. So I don't quite know what, I don't really know what that was all about, but yeah, they've always been okay. They've always been okay. Sleepers, early risers. Yeah. Bed wetters. Yeah. <laughs> It all happens at night time. A lot of, lot of anxiety. Daisy has a lot of anxiety. So we used to say the worry bugs came out at night because, you know, that's when yeah. worries get more. So, yeah, there's always been something cracking off around night time with all of them. <laughs> yeah, I bet. It's really interesting about the night terrors, though, because, I, you know, my son has them. Yeah. Um. Uh. I think he had a mild one last night, actually, but mm. it was very... Anyway, Um. and definitely I see... For him, overtiredness is definitely a trigger, like overstimulation, you know, just or sickness or anything yeah. like that. Like that's like a kind of I always know they're coming. But sometimes when there's like a period of change or something, yeah, like an emote, you know, not not even like something that I would perceive as like a big emotional upheaval, but like, you know, going on holiday, coming back, having that change in that routine. Yeah. I think when we got back from our last holiday, the week after, yeah, it was like that he was really I could see him really processing it he really found that he's a really he's a creature he routine is very very important for him that makes him feel very anxious I think when his routines change which is not unusual for children um and um yeah and and so it makes sense that you know for your for your son that that whatever was going on at home could have been playing into it yeah you don't know what goes on these little minds do you No, I also don't want anyone to think maybe someone's listening to this thinking, oh, God, my, my child has night terrors. You know, no, is it because they're mentally, you know, no. I, don't know. <laughs> I don't want to. Well, Evie has night terrors too. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I, and and actually Daisy used to. And so, I don't, you know, we see, I see more, so many more times that it's just one of those things. And generally it's they've got a full bladder. Yes. Knackered. Yeah. Or not very well. They are the yeah. reason. Yeah. But it was just for yeah. interest anecdotally that yeah. was the situation with Jack and the genetic and element as well yes 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 of course yeah um, yeah I'm a really weird sleeper I think I had them as a child I'm a sleepwalker a sleep talker you know all of that really? stuff. yeah and I'm absolutely bricking it for my son now I feel like what genes have I given I think he's got my weird sleep genes <laughs> I do feel so sorry for my mother she would just she'd find me in these places once she you know and like you she was a mum of four and so permanently knackered and she'd like get up at maybe you know go to wash her face in the bathroom and like she once just found me sat in the empty bathtub just sat up staring into space wow that's can you, freaky can you imagine finding a nine-year-old child in your bathtub just for no reason dear me I God. know I know yeah <laughs> 
so uh, I'm, I feel like I don't know. This is karma. This is karma. It isn't is. It? It's all karma. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, when you were when you were working as a as a kind of an NHS health visitor, what was the most common uh, sleep challenge that people came to you with? Oh gosh, um, I think it was. Oh, I think it was. Well, one of two. One is not being able to teach them to self soothe. Right. And two, not being able to put them down drowsy but awake. Okay. Which, of course, are both impossible feats. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could uh, in tw- in twenty five years looking after families, I could probably count on one hand the children that do drowsy but awake. Yeah, none others, none of yeah. one hand, um, thousands of families. And what what about you? Like you, like it's obviously like you went through that whole Ferber process with Daisy. When mm-hmm. and you didn't want to do it again, but at what point did you start to think maybe this whole self soothing and drowsy but awake thing? when <laughs> i'm not sure that this might actually just be bollocks like when did that sort of <laughs> creep in well i think when i realized that i had to do it again yeah easy when i thought oh my goodness this is not a one you know this was horrific but it's sorted now that wasn't the yeah. case i have to do it again um and then just as i was doing my health physical training learning more about brain development and mm. you know behavior and and manipulation which isn't manipulation it's mm. just kind of that part of the brain is not form, formed properly then it kind of all clicked in then of course I did the course that we've done yeah and it was just like oh that's it that's yeah. it yeah, yeah. did it you were helped. you trying with your subsequent children to kind of get them to go drowsy but awake a little bit or yes yeah, yeah I think I was I mean I knew I didn't want to do anything like further yeah but still elements of sleep training that yeah. That I was still well. They they need to they need to understand that this is their cot. This is where they go yeah. to sleep. They need to know that you know. Gosh, yeah, get in there. Yeah, sure. I know. Where where do you think it comes from for parents that drowsy bit of weight? Do you think like it's people telling them like family, or do you think do you think social media has made things worse? Absolutely, absolutely, because it's all wrapped around this idea of the things that we do to help our children are a negative association, mm. whether it's feeding or rocking or patting or cuddling or whatever. That if you if if your child goes down drowsy but awake, they don't need all that stuff mm. that feeding, that rocking, which of course they absolutely flipping do. <laughs> so you know, yeah it's it's all it's it's all that and that kind of that is what goes on and all the sleep the mainstream sleep training accounts you know you need to stop doing that you stop doing that because you need to teach them to self-soothe and I just did a post not that long ago about um about you know if a child falls asleep after a prolonged period of crying is that self-soothing and of course it isn't it's just bloody exhaustion and and don't know about you but if ever you've had a really watched a really sad film or had some bad news and you cried and cried and cried you go to sleep yeah yeah oh yeah just emotionally spent that's not self-soothing helen i'm a crier like i cry all the time (laughs) i cry cry out all the time (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and crying is exhausting as someone who really likes a good cry i know it yeah i know but i I don't sleep well when i've cried myself to sleep that's what i also know it doesn't feel no it doesn't no. no it doesn't work like that 
Yeah. I think I think social media's got a lot to answer for. It's got a lot of wonderful parts to it, mm. but it's got a yeah. lot of really shitty bits as well. It hasn't. I, I think sometimes something sorry, something we were talking about, wasn't it? Was that the idea then that gentle parent or just the idea that gentle parenting is a thing and that it's a, a, a trend or a fad or whatever, that's you know, that's an interesting kind of corner of the internet, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think before there's kind of there's there's a couple of things. One is this kind of vibe that it's meant to seem so dreamy and mm. you're kind of like, oh, aren't we wonderful and permissive mm. and a little bit lazy and <laughs> um, and it, unattainable actually mm. because humans and because things piss us off. Excuse me, yeah. get on a yeah. nerve. Um, and before it was kind of it was synonymous with things like. Um, breastfeeding and co-sleeping and baby wearing and cloth nappies and all those kind of things and if people didn't feel like they fitted in with yeah with one of those things like maybe you got a baby in NICU or maybe you yeah. can't breastfeed or maybe you didn't want to breastfeed or yeah you know you couldn't baby wear you couldn't afford yeah. cloth nappies whatever and you yeah. didn't you weren't part of that gang yes yeah, yeah. I think that's really sad yeah. but I mean I love I love the idea of gentle parenting but I'm I mean I am a gentle parent, but I'm not a gentle person. I'm not mild, mallow, mild, no. mild mannered, mellow. No. I'm the opposite of that. I'm a gobshite. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is this, this idea that, that we've got to fit in with these kind of standards yeah. yeah. to to label ourselves, is it? I can I couldn't agree more, and I felt that very strongly. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. There's parts of me that are very crunchy. You know, I'm a lefty vegetarian. Do you know what I mean? Like Londoner, I do get that. That is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, there, there is that side to me. But at the same time, I didn't identify as that sort of Earth Mother. I mean, I think that's a, that's a myth anyway, isn't? It? I don't think yeah. anyone really is, but you know, I did feel like if you're going to like not sleep train, then it, you, everything's got to be blissful and you've just got to be endlessly serene. And that's not me either. Cause I swear and get angry and have to do some deep breathing and <laughs> say mean things sometimes because I'm, I'm not a serene Zen no. No. master. No, I'm not. No. And the thing is, when you when you come to something, you don't know whether it's chocolate or poo. <laughs> I don't feel gentle. I don't feel zen. I don't, you know, you can't express your dissatisfaction. Who shit on the floor? <laughs> you no, know, without without and still love your kids. It doesn't yes. have to, it's not an all or nothing thing. And I think the other thing is trying to be an attached parent in a detached society is bloody hard work. Yeah. Yeah. So when we add all these rules, well, to be a gentle parent or an attachment parent, you've got to do this, this, and this. You've got to be this, this, and this. Yeah. In a in a world that doesn't help us with any of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's madness. Yeah, because if you're doing the school run and nursery pickup, and you've got two hours to get everyone fed, bathed, everyone's yeah. got an emotional meltdowns, everyone's upset, everyone, it's a lot for your nervous system. You know, like it's this idea that you're there, like you know peeling carrots and like feeding the mung beans and all of this stuff and everyone's like playing with very tasteful Montessori yes. wooden toys and you yes. know there's no screens and there's no sugar yeah. and they, like, like, I'm really happy for people that make that their reality yeah. I'm, hats off to them but yeah. that is not what most people's lives look like and it just adds to that list of well you should well your yeah. baby should well they should yeah. not and it just adds to that list of 
rules that we yeah. feel we've got to achieve yeah. Yeah. Or yeah to be able to call ourselves yeah yeah because and you know you can absolutely know something's normal and still be pissed off about it can't you you absolutely. know just you know absolutely so... i spent my life pissed off with evie even though <laughs> yeah. she, you know, for her she's normal yeah she is really bloody hard and i spend a lot of my time don't tell anybody this but i spend a lot of my time not liking my kids very much <laughs> I'm not liking being a parent yeah it doesn't stop me loving them no that's i like... love them so so much but yeah. man yeah all the time and i don't like being a parent all the time yeah because it's full on <laughs> bloody hard yeah yeah it's really hard yeah. yeah yeah so i think i think that idea like just as just as in the sleep training world there's this idealizes the aesthetic of the child that sleeps perfectly does the two hour long lunch nap self settles all of this stuff and the homes are immaculate and everyone's happy and every no one's got any kind of problems in the world you know they've got perfect marriages and the kids are great and everything's Love like it. that there's that but then there's also the other side of that kind of gentle world where everyone is serene and happy to do deal with a baby who's waking a million times a night and you know all those things and it's like both of those are lying I think to mothers absolutely yeah 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 and that and social social media just kind of magnifies that because I mean you've got the people who are kind you've got some people who say I hate my kids I hate my kids and they're kind of quite very negative and that that feels a bit uncomfortable yes I know what you mean there's some people I think oh that's a bit too far and do you like your kids ever because yeah sometimes you don't that's fine but do you ever like them (laughs) and then the other people who are like oh oh they're just such a ray of sunshine and (laughs) we're all in the middle but there's not many people like us who are just Man, this is this is crap. This is crap. No, I still don't want to stop breastfeeding, but it's I'm still hating yeah. hating it right now. But I don't want to stop. I just want to moan and say it's crap, and I'm finding it hard. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, breastfeeding is a great example of that, isn't it? It's sort of yeah. like I understand why that becomes a battleground in lots of people's like conversations about it because it it's something that a lot of people want to do that they feel guilty about not always loving, but it's painted maybe as this blissful, perfect experience. So if you don't have that, you feel like a failure. If if it goes well for you and it's working, but you don't like certain aspects, then you might feel a lot of shame around that. Like, oh, I thought I was supposed to have this endless selflessness and that I'm not like, oh my goodness, I'm not 100% selfless. There must be something wrong with me. (laughs) I know. You know? I know. You are allowed, yeah. You are allowed to express dissatisfaction and not actually want to change anything. That's it, yeah. That's that's it. Um, But I suppose that's not that's not going to. It's not going to make a lot of money. But people don't make a lot of money out of leaning in and 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 surrendering. I suppose that's the problem. That is the problem. Yes, that's why I'm not making any money. (laughs) I'll start saying yes. What you need to do, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. Yeah. And I spend a thousand pounds with me and I'll fix it all. I think you could though, Helen. I trust you. <laughs> I absolutely could not. I could you not could. You definitely could. I think you're being too hard is that I think you've got it. I think you've got it more together than any of the like the, the kind of fakers that I see anyway. Well, yeah. 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 Underneath, I've got. I'm just got my pajamas on with a gin bottle right here. This is that water. 
<laughs> I didn't. I thought it looked a bit, uh, yeah, a bit thicker when you were drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it might be Monday morning, but yeah, yeah. it's Friday night somewhere. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose. I mean, what also annoys me, I suppose, is the idea. And I think someone. I think I saw a meme with this, and I'm going to paraphrase. But you know, it's wild that we would call just treating children with respect and empathy has even has to have a name like gentle parenting because essentially that's all gentle parenting is. It's treating babies and children like human beings right like it's just yeah. treating them how you might want to be treated so if yeah. you were crying yeah. upset and to yeah. the point that you were being sick someone would come in and give you say are you okay you know it, it really I find it strange that there's even a category of parenting yeah. that says just yes. trust trust your child when they're upset trust that they're crying that they're not manipulating you Tr yeah. you know that's so true. I never thought about it like that, but you're absolutely, yeah. absolutely true. But why do we need why do we need to have everything in these little categories? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know really. Yeah. Because because honestly, I'm I'm not a gentle even though, you know, I'm I suppose I would use that hashtag so people can find my information. Yeah. I suppose that that's helpful, you know, gentle parenting. So you can sort of start to weed out, right? Well, what are you, you know? Is this more of an authoritarian page or is this yeah, I suppose yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? It's like you you mentioned permissiveness earlier as well. And I think that's something that's important to talk about. So mm. what do you mean when you say permissive parenting? Well, what so I you know, to be a gent for me as a gentle, responsive parent, that doesn't mean to say that I let my kids do anything. I have got some very, very clear boundaries. Yeah you know when we're at the dinner table we don't have phones we all mm. sit down we you know the, there are some I've got some very very definite yeah. boundaries because I know that my kids feel safe and secure when those boundaries are firm is when when you've got yeah. no boundaries yeah. then your children are pushing all over the place because they don't know where they go they don't know where they stand they don't know where they fit they don't know where they're safe so being gentle does not mean being permissive it means being firm but loving yeah. so it's about kind of recognizing the things that we need as a family mm. how can I keep you safe in that and and let you explore things in a loving way but that's got some kind of end limits to it because yeah. otherwise all hell breaks loose and when you've got a busy household yeah. you know you need those you need those limits and I think it's when you do when things go outside those limits which they do because they're mm. kids it's about having some kind of connection with them before you correct them so connection before correction yeah. that is it's not about not never telling them off it's about saying you know i love you yeah you're not having another biscuit yeah tea in a minute you know yes. yeah I'm, i've got a cuddle for you if you would like it you yeah. know it, it's just respecting them as individuals but kind of saying you know that that's the limit that's yeah. that's that's the boundary yeah sorry i'm really sorry i know that you're frustrated that you've got to go in your car seat I know you don't want to but you've got yeah. to and yeah. I'll give you a puzzle when you get out that's it yeah 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 I mean I don't get it right half the time but what's that Donald Winnick at good enough parenting good enough yeah I'm yeah. good enough yeah and that, and that really is the best that's the it, irony well it, it is. is the best yeah it is because when we try to paint this amazing perfect world perfect life that nothing ever hurts our children we do them a disservice mm. because we don't allow them to feel frustration and disappointment and anger and 
all those other you know negative emotions in a safe environment mm-hmm. they need to do all those things they need to feel all of that mm-hmm. to be emotionally mature mm-hmm. so we, they need to and they need to know that we're not perfect mm-hmm. yes oh, mess that up i'm really really sorry i'm so yeah. sorry i shouted yeah yeah i know yeah. I'm, i might make many many parenting mistakes i know i will but at least the mm-hmm. one mistake i won't make is my son's growing up thinking he has a perfect mother <laughs> At least I've got that one covered. That's I've got that one covered too. <laughs> Done that, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, nailed that a lot actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's important, isn't it? You know, but it's, yeah, you're right. It's not, I, I just think you've explained that really well, you know, that, yeah, they're about, you can have boundaries, age appropriate boundaries. Mm. And, you know, you know, it's, there's this idea that if you, do one thing for one child it means you have to do it for all of them or you have to do it forever or you know because you know because you lay with with Evie you know when she's five and going you know going through whatever she's going through right now doesn't mean that you'll always have to lie with her until she's 35 or but you, hope not. Oh, you might do though I don't know I do. <laughs> <laughs> might feel like you might do I go because she's on her sleep trainers yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um, and every child is different and and every parent is different at different stages of their lives and you've got different yeah so I think that's something that a lot of people who want to be responsive and loving parents struggle with sometimes um is that that idea then it's like well how do I hold that boundary like how do I say say no in a in a firm but loving way and and that's about kind of Figuring out where the boundaries are. So if you've got a child who's hitting or, mm. you know, who's biting or throwing or whatever it is, figuring out what the trigger points are, what the boundaries that you want to hold, how are you going to do it? And having that in your mind beforehand, because mm. often when these things happen, when, you know, somebody's chucking something across the room for the 50th time, yeah. that can be really triggering. Whereas if, if, if when you're calm, you've had time to think, okay, so the throwing, so I'm, what I'm going to do is this, this, and this, and have that as a kind of plan. And you can you can discuss it with your co-parent or whatever, mm-hmm. and come up with a plan. Then it's a bit easier to kind of not get so triggered and cross. And mm-hmm. but a lot of these things, you know, if you things like hitting or biting or throwing, they're all part of schemas, aren't they? They're all kind of developmental things that children yeah. need to go through. It's, it's yeah. allowing them the opportunity to do those things and to develop those skills yeah. in a way that's safe. So if yeah. there's throwing, it's all right, come on, let's go outside and throw a ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can still do it. You're not saying no, but there's boundaries that you don't do it here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's difficult, isn't it, when we're talking about babies, because it's just it's such a long game, you know, it's so long before they can <laughs> talk to you. You can have the conversation. Yeah. I think it's yeah. so much easier when you can talk to them about it, isn't it? It really is, yeah. Yeah. Toddlers for all their quirks are they are incredible they are i love toddlers so uncomplicated yeah yeah they They just they know what they want they can only think of one emotion at a time that's as i'm furious yeah that's as i'm excited nothing else is just me too i think there's so much magic in that Um, really is you know my son started saying i'm feeling a lot bit blue right now because it's a little bit or a lot bit it's really you know I'm feeling a lot bit blue right now and it's just like it's just the sweetest thing to see him and you you know and and in so many ways my my instinct is maybe this is how I was parented was to be like no you're not 
don't no 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 don't don't feel that don't you know you're okay you're not but actually I suppose what I try to do is be like okay yeah I understand that I did a post on um it was a video I think on the science of tears mm. and how it's really you know I can, as much as I as my, from a sleep point of view I don't I don't want to leave anybody to cry I don't want to yeah. make anybody feel unsupported child or parent or unresponded to but actually having a child cry yeah. because disappointed or because they are cross yeah. it's really good it's yeah. really that therein lies resilience and adaptation and emotional maturity it's it's really good for them to say I feel sad or I feel cross yeah yeah you do and that's okay yeah that's all right yeah and it yeah. will get better yeah at last yeah oh I know it's heartbreaking. Little hearts. I know. I know. You just want to. You just want to take it away, don't you? Like yesterday, my um, my mother-in-law had come to stay, and my son just sobbed, saying goodbye. I don't want to say goodbye to you, Grandma. I want you to live here. I miss her so much, and just. <laughs> I know. I was like trying not to cry, and he was like his little bottom lip was going, and oh, good to express those emotions and for you to yeah. name them and say yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You do this, Grandma, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's hard though, isn't it? And that's just one little experience. And it's hard. And when that stuff's coming up for yourself as well, and yeah. you sometimes see yourself, don't you, and your children and the things, yes, the emotions you felt or feel. And yeah, yeah. Gosh, that's that can be triggering, can't it? That can bring yeah. up the best or the worst sometimes. Yeah. Do you feel like with your with everything you've been through and overcome or you know, do you feel like parenting has been part of your healing process? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Especially when I realized that I could do it on my own. Yeah. I was doing it on my own and my kids were better off that because I was doing it on my own. Yeah. That, but then the, the enormity of that responsibility sometimes hits. Oh, you know, I remember thinking, so if nobody else clean, if I don't clean their teeth, nobody else is going to do that <laughs> and it was just that little one task just that realization yeah. if I don't do this yeah. no one is going to do it very overwhelming but actually yeah it it has been it has been a very kind of positive process very yeah. positive yeah. yeah yeah I just think you're such a resilient person and um there's so much yeah so much courage and because I think there is it does take courage to be honest and be open and vulnerable and yeah you know yeah. um yeah I wouldn't have been able to do it a, a while ago but that's what that's what healing does doesn't it you know we've all got stuff we need to heal from 